It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. And now, this is the Neighborhood Podcast with New Age Insider's Chief of Staff, D.C. Matthews. Good evening out there, boys and girls in the neighborhood. It is Saturday night in the neighborhood, and it is time for the Neighborhood Podcast. My name is D.C. Matthews, at D.C. Matthews NAI, and I am the Chief of Staff of the New Age Insiders, WEEI's official wrestling podcast. And with me, as always, is Doc Manson, at Doc Manson. Doc, it's a Saturday. You've got your favorite shirt on. How's it going over there in your neck of the woods? Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. I don't know, man. I think we're going to have a good... I feel in the energy tonight. We're going to have a good show. We've got a bunch of great guests lined up tonight. You know, I think it's just going to be going to be a fantastic piece of, uh, piece of pod Roman, right here. Fantastic Roman piece of Reigns pod. will be calling in at the 9 o'clock hour, so we'll be excited for that. Absolutely. And uh, Dean Ambrose will be sharing some of his favorite pumpkin spice recipes. So... Oh man, pumpkin spice! You, I am a. Let me just say, DC, I am a sucker for pumpkin spice. It gets to be this time of the year, and I go to the store and I see all these, you know, sugary concoctions, pumpkin spice this and pumpkin spice that, and you know, I love Halloween. I really do. It's like my all-time favorite holiday. Pumpkin spice. I mean, I enjoy it, but I don't think that I enjoy it enough to justify the amount of pumpkin spice. Goods that enter into my home every Halloween season. So far this year, so far, I have tried the pumpkin spice latte M&Ms. I have tried the instant pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks. We had the pumpkin spice cupcakes by Duncan Hines that came with this sort of uh, uh, bag that you could fill the cupcakes with this pumpkin orange frosting. They were delicious. And then we just got today... um, some instant mix for pumpkin spice pancakes, and that is breakfast tomorrow. So, I have a problem. I acknowledge it. I have to stop. But, oh man, it's so good. I, I don't like pumpkin. You don't have to. There's no pumpkin I in it. I don't like pumpkin flavor. I don't like pumpkin spice. I don't, I, I don't uh, like uh, pumpkin. I don't think I like you anymore. That was never in doubt. Fair enough. We're... What are we, we here about? We're talking, uh, well, we're sharing pumpkin spice recipes, apparently. Dean Ambrose has already... Oh, that's right. He's Dean already, Ambrose well, no, he's him. already left because we took all of his ideas. So now he's sad and has gone oh. home. Um, <laughs> I just want to say, by the way, the pumpkin spice latte M&M's, uh, delicious. If you happen to be one of those people who, you know, like going to Starbucks to pay an overpriced latte, get when they're, you know, when they're pumpkin spice ones, um, if you enjoy that flavor, I think you're going to be quite pleased with the M&Ms. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Doc Manson endorsing pumpkin spice latte M&Ms. If you can get us our first sponsor with pumpkin spice latte M&Ms, I will eat them. I will try a bag huh? if they will su- support us here on the Pumpkin Podcast. The Pumpkin Neighborhood. Uh, you know, here's the other thing, though. I was looking at uh, the store today. I'm sorry. No. That we're, we'll get to the wrestling sooner no, or later, I, folks. I, I can't I was at tell the store you how today, happy actually. I am that we're having this conversation. This is what I've wanted from our podcast since the very <laughs> beginning. 
<laughs> and on the air. No, no I want people uh, to I was understand at- the the relationship that you and I have had for now going on 10 plus years is that we just, the conversation is very stream of consciousness and we're going to talk about pumpkin until there's nothing left to say. So continue. No doubt. Um, so I was at the store and this is, I mean, this is only tangentially pumpkin related, honestly. Uh, we were there and I saw this big, you know, stand kiosk type thing in the center of the grocery store aisle. And it was just full of candy corn. And I know candy corn, you love it, you hate it, whatever. But the thing that I saw, and I was intrigued, I didn't get it, but I was intrigued, they have flavored candy corn, and that's no big deal. You know, they have the harvest candy corn in the past, and I think crazily last year I saw caramel candy corn, but I saw today in the store s'mores flavored candy corn. So let me ask you, DC, first of all, are you a candy corn guy? I like candy corn. I'm actually a bigger fan of the, we'll get continue with the tangential pumpkin, the actual pumpkin-shaped ones with the green I know what top. you're talking about. For some, and you're for crazy some reason, because that's just too sweet. It's too much. It's too much sugar and a little I, morsel. I, I like... The, sh- the candy corn is the perfect size of sugar. Have you, have, the, the pumpkin's way too much. Me? I, I can handle okay, I can handle my amounts of sweets. Thank you so much. Despite the fact that I fit into the vest, I went to a wedding today, and I fit into the vest that I wore to my own wedding almost five years ago. Oh, so, um, thank congratulations! You. But I like those candy corn. I'll eat if there's nothing else around. Um, I enjoy the white part more. Than, actually, no, I enjoy the orange part more than the yellow or the white. I know they all have the same flavor, but. They sure do. So s'mores flavored candy corn. Yeah. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? I'm intrigued. What do you think about this? Huh? What do you think about this? I'm intrigued with the colors different. Where is it like brown and white and tan? Yeah, absolutely. It was all sorts of poop color. It was not good. Well, now I can't wait. Pump. <laughs> we're going to be endorsed by, we're going to have ads from pumpkin spice latte M&Ms, but not from the s'mores candy corn, thanks to that one thing. I mean, what's that, Bach? Bach is the company that makes all the candy corn? Brock, Brock, what Brock's, is it? Brock's, B-R-A-C-H-S. Brock's. And I think it was totally their brand, but... Yeah, sorry, Brock's. Not happening. Well, speaking of Brock, that brings me to Brock Lesnar, and that brings us you to mean the... Brock Lesnar! <laughs> it's a shame this isn't a video podcast, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Let's actually talk about some wrestling. Since the last time you heard our dulcet tones, Night of Champions has happened. The Raw after Night of Champions has happened. All sorts of other things have happened, I'm sure, in the wrestling world. Lucha Underground has season two. Did you watch Lucha Underground at all? Uh, You know, a few episodes here and there. I can't say that I saw enough to even understand what the overall story arc was. Uh, so I, what I saw, I enjoyed, but yeah, I didn't really get into it. It was a Spanish soap opera. Really it's a Sabado Gigante. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. The presentation was great. Um, they had some sort of crazy beast locked up in a box, uh, and I have no idea who that was or what happened. We with still that. don't know who that but, is. Uh, I was still, I don't believe we still know. I, I watched, I binge watched probably the first half to two thirds. And I lost interest. For some reason, it didn't grab me. Maybe I just, maybe binge watching it was the wrong idea. Maybe I should have watched week to week. 
But if I can't watch it, you know, the ease of signing on to the WWE Network and being able to have all that. If I have to find a website and then with my spotty internet connection sometimes, it's, you know, unless it's WWE Network, I'm having a hard time staying interested. But I'm excited for them just because I don't necessarily enjoy the product. And it was fine. I like Angelico. But I'm excited for all the people who wanted to see season two. I hope it gets on uh, Netflix because I'd watch it if it popped up on Netflix one of these days. But all right, so let's talk some wrestling here. Although I'm really tempted to continue with the Halloween theme, but let's talk some wrestling. Uh, Night of Champions came and went, Doc Manson. We have a new United States champion. We have a new Intercontinental champion. We have a new Divas champion. I was going to say women's champion, but they didn't change the belt. Um, your thoughts? I know it was six days ago, but your thoughts on Night of Champions and how everything went? Um, it was okay. Ringing endorsement. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the problem is I have no short-term memory. And trying to remember what happened on Night of Champions, I know you gave me a quick sort of recap there. Um, but I was only half listening because I was typing something to Twitter, to be honest. This makes for great radio, I know. Um, but, I mean, so, Charlotte winning the Divas Well, let's start title. there. Let's, I'll, I'll, I'll try to steer the ship, as I usually do. I am the navigator. You provide the power. That's, that's... I, just, I just react to the well, things Which that is say. just fine by me, and your reaction powers the Neighborhood Podcast. The Pumpkin Absolutely. Podcast is powered by Doc Manson. Uh, so let's start Absolutely. with that. We have a new Divas champion. Charlotte defeated Nikki Bella after getting her leg attacked for 20, 25 minutes. Listen, I'm going to say a lot of people on Twitter said they enjoyed this match. I think you were one I did. of them. Uh, it, 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 it was the most boring match I have seen since I watched Halloween Havoc nineteen, Which you watched today, and we're going to talk about that later on the Pumpkin Podcast. So... We will talk. Uh, it was we will boring. Talk. Oh, I'm working the leg, and I'm working the leg some more. And now I'm dominating the leg, and I, let's just work that leg a little bit more. And let's jump on Charlotte's back, despite the fact that I've been working on this leg for the last 20 minutes, and she doesn't fall over at all. And let's just ignore the fact that she's holding on to the rope, so the ref, the ref who was right there, should have broken the sleeper hold immediately. But he just does nothing, and they keep holding the ropes, and they just keep standing there. And Charlotte still doesn't fall down. The ref still doesn't do anything, and they awkwardly just kind of stumble back in the middle of the ring. Yeah, great ring psychology. Fantastic match. Really good one from Nikki Bella. Oh, yeah. Let's give them all thumbs up. Five stars. Match of the year. I thought you said your memory wasn't good. Well, it just kicked in. I have to be prompted a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, that that, that match was boring. The, the ring psychology, to me, did not add up, mostly because of that moment. Um, I I really thought they were going to do a thing with, you know, and maybe they did, but they should have done, you know, the back and forth, reversing the figure four, that sort of thing, especially since they were working on her leg. I know I think they put the figure four on her around the ring post, and that was a good moment. But, classic I mean, Bre- there could have been way more Bret to that. Right there. That's the Bret Hart heel right. move. Right. It's the ring post yeah, figure four. Yeah, Villa, Bret Hart, great. Yeah, I'll tell you comparison. why I like the match. I'm not saying it was a match of the year candidate, but it was fun. DC Matthews saying Nikki Bella is good as Brett the Hitman Hart. Let's hear your opinions on Twitter at DC Matthews. And it's actually getting it right because I don't know who has the act DC Matthews, but I don't think they want to hear about Nikki Bella. Here's why I enjoyed the match. Number one, I don't watch a lot of women's wrestling. 
I didn't realize that Nikki Bella was that competent. I'm not going to say she was good. Competent? I didn't know she knew how to apply three or four different submission holds. Excuse me. That in and of itself. So that's the, bar- that's the barrier by which you now judge a match as being good? Is the ability to appropriately apply submission holds? There was psychology to yeah. that match. The ending bothered me, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But she was she was picking a limb and focusing on it. This is why this this Night of Champions had an old-school feel to me. Because Kevin Owens and Ryback did the same thing. Owens spent the entire time working on the arm. We don't see that anymore in pro wrestling. You don't? No, we don't. And, you know, that, that match with Kevin Owens, uh, I thought, actually was pretty good. But that's because they did something. There were some power moves. They went to the outside. They did some different spots. Nikki Bella was just leg, Do you leg, want? Do you really leg, want to see Nikki leg. Bella try a power move? Uh, I mean, if John Cena can do cruiserweight moves, why not? Let's just go crazy. I'm not going to say that the two matches were similar, but there was a similar approach <laughs> to the match. I feel like you have no idea how to respond to me. I, again, this is our 10-year relationship, is you do something and I just kind of sit there and blink awkwardly for a few minutes. So Fair enough. Great radio. I thought Nikki was better than I expected her to be. That's all I'm saying. She was, she, okay. she was I, competent enough. I also think this match was more of a focus on... Charlotte's weakness, if you ha- if Charlotte had to have a weakness ever since NXT, was the fact that she doesn't know how to sell very well. And whether or not you thought she sold very well this time, I thought she was a little much at times. This was a chance for her to prove that she could sell being worked over, having, you know, being attacked. She, was, she could sell selling? She could sell being hurt, you know. And it was a little yeah. over the top, sure, but she's a flair. That's what we expect from a flair. So... She proved that she could sell a little bit, which was fine. The part that bothered me was the fact that we have this 15-ish minute match. I don't remember how long it was. They're working over the leg. They're working over the leg. All of a sudden, Charlotte hits two offensive moves and wins. So are we setting this up as it was a fluke? Is that what this is? Charlotte happened to win, happened to catch Nikki Bella unawares in a mistake? Is that what the story was supposed to be, that Nikki was the superior wrestler? Charlotte got lucky? It doesn't seem that way. Clearly not. Based on how things played out on Raw. But that was the part that bothered me. And then, logically, my brain works. Okay, here she is having her leg worked over this whole time. Then her finishing move, which involves putting her leg in an uncomfortable position. I saw this online somewhere. She should have failed to put it on the first time. Her leg should have hurt too much to put it on the first time. She should have then put it on a second time and managed to do it and worked through the pain to get the victory. But... It was better than I thought it would be, but I have a, and people hate me for this, I have a fairly low opinion of women's wrestling anyways, but I thought it was okay. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm giving them a hard time, uh, but the end, not necessarily the end of the match, but the outcome was fine. Uh, I'm happy that the Divas Revolution wasn't just face-planted on the spot. I'm glad they have shaken up the division a little bit and actually handed that title over to some people who I hope will be able to invigorate uh, the entire women's side of the Well, we saw something different that we haven't seen in a while on Raw. Uh, Paige seemingly is turning heel-ish. Fantastic. She cut, I thought, a pretty good promo. Uh, My favorite promo... 
I believe you mean pipe bomb, if you want to use the lingo on the interwebs. The page bomb, the pipe bomb, whatever. Yeah, can we just stop saying that, really? It was fun and whatever when CM Punk said it, but we don't need to bring everything back to CM Punk anymore. Let's just, it was a promo. She turned heel, she said some stuff. Pipe bomb, whatever, it's stupid. It was It was what it was. I enjoy promos where you can... Th- no comment on the pipe bomb comment? I'm so tired of CM Punk right now. I just tend to him and Hulk Hogan. I just would like Thank to you. ignore them for as long as I can. I saw a mutual friend of ours today who works with puppets, and one of the first words out of his mouth was, I'm sorry Hulk Hogan is a monster, and I was just like, I don't even care. So, I still don't think he's a monster. Well, sorry, I, he, I don't think he's a monster either, but I'm just tired of talking about him, and would be perfectly happy yeah, not okay. to... Well, let's talk about him now for about 20 minutes. Let's talk about Hulk Hogan and the reaction to his comments on the internet. So Paige comes out, and my favorite promos... So Hulk Hogan... Paige's promos, I always enjoy... I'm pretty sure he's naked at this point. (laughs) I always enjoy the promos where you can feel the truth to it. And this was a truthful promo about the state of Divas Wrestling, and whether or not Paige becomes a heel end of all of this, I don't know. But I thought it was compelling, and I'm excited to see where this goes in the future. Okay, I agree with you. And the one thing I want to comment on is you said it felt truthful. And the thing that I want to observe, just want to throw it out there, maybe get your comments on, it is the truth that WWE Creative wants us to believe. Explain. Because it's, it's a scripted it's a scripted promo. She didn't just get to go out there carte blanche and say whatever she wanted. So for weeks now, I've been saying Becky Lynch seems like the weak part of Team PCB. She seems like, I think as you phrased it, you know, the little sister never got her, and as I said, never got her moment to shine in NXT. And that's exactly what Paige said on Raw. You're irrelevant. Or at least you're the least relevant of all of us. And... So now I'm I'm confused a little bit because that's what I was thinking and I thought it was happening unintentionally. But have they been intentionally making Becky Lynch uh, irrelevant, or are they just recognizing the fact that she is irrelevant and so she's never going to amount to anything since management shares the view that I got sort of organically through just observing her performance? Do they really have no faith in Becky Lynch? Is that actual truth coming down from on high? Because they like to do this, right? The B-plus player thing with Daniel Bryan. They start feeling a certain way about a guy, or a gal in this case, and they have no problem lambasting them on national television, telling you exactly what they really think about this person. And so the truth that Paige said is not Paige's truth. It's the truth of creative. And does that really mean that Becky Lynch is doomed now to be irrelevant? what do you I'm think? not sure this was a scripted promo. I think they might have let Paige get some things off of her chest. Because I'm looking at part of this. I'm looking at a recap here. She says, we all know why the Bella Twins really got to where they are. Are we really... Is, is WWE creative really wanting to tell everybody that the Bella Twins got where they are because they happen to be Mrs. Brian and Mrs. Cena? Is that... I understand what you're saying, but I think maybe if yes, they haven't they haven't acknowledged it, you know, very much on Raw. But we have to remember, man, this is the reality era. Never I mean, the Attitude Era is long gone. The PG era is gone. This is the reality era. Total Divas is a bona fide hit. It gets a lot of 
press. People know who they are dating, and it's all over an officially endorsed product of the WWE. The fact that it hasn't bled into Raw more, I think, is something that's probably going to change in the future. Well, and I don't have a problem with that, but that would be to me... So, to me, I hesitate to say it was a scripted promo because that isn't very PG to hint at that. And I know she didn't... Don't you think everything on this show was scripted? Do you think anybody... I mean, don't get me wrong. It's probably not scripted down to the last word. People probably do go out there and put their own sort of inflection on it. But they've got to... You know they're given the talking points. Even The Rock Oh, I'm sure there, there are talking, talking points, points. But I also think there are times where they give the microphone to a talent and say... You know, we need you to tell us how you really feel about this. And maybe they say, we want you to hit on this and this and this. But I think they gave her the microphone and said, we want you to turn heel. Go out there and tell us what you really think. The only reason that I might be inclined to believe you is if she had really gotten to go off script like this, we would have seen rumors and news all over the week that said that Paige had backstage heat because she said some things she wasn't supposed to say. She crossed the line or whatever. So perhaps you're right. And I'm all for it. I think WWE needs to admit what it is. You know, life needs to imitate art, or art needs to imitate life, or however it's phrased. So I think they need to go with, you know, Nikki and Nikki Bella won or held the title, won the record because we didn't want April Brooks in the record books anymore. And it makes a lot more sense to have somebody who's, you know, happens to be, you know, sharing a house or a life with John Cena. Yeah. So, Absolutely. regardless, I I think Becky Lynch is irrelevant. I don't know that they intended for her to be. I think she was the afterthought. They wanted to bring up Charlotte and Sasha. They brought up Becky, too, because it probably... It just bothers me that that was a talking point because it proves to me that backstage, the general opinion of her is as an afterthought. It's not just me. That's the official opinion mm-hmm. of well, this and, performer. And we see this all the time. There are limited people and limited resources that WWE Creative is willing to put focus on. They will put a focus. They will put a focus and interest and time into three or four guys. And if you're not one of those three or four guys, you get a love rhombus angle with Rusev and Ziggler and Lana and Summer Rae <laughs> that involves having a shoe thrown at you because that's the best idea that we can come up with right now. It was so good. It was not so good. It was so good. That's Doc Manson. I was lying. So I think what they did is they said, we can have a story here with Charlotte. We can have a story here with Sasha. We'll bring up Becky because she looks different with the red hair, so it'll look good. And maybe something will pop with her. But now she's gone from being the steampunk goggle person to now she's a pirate. She's Becky Lynch Birchill. Did, I don't think you were watching. Were you watching for Paul Burchill? Did you see the pirate? I didn't see him swing in. But that's what she looks like now. She looks like Jack Sparrow, who looks like Paul. Can I, I have a question for you. I mean, sorry to get you off the rails here, but you just mentioned, you know, I think you were saying, I think you were speculating when they were bringing the ladies up from NXT. You could have a story with Charlotte. You could have a story with Sasha. The question I have for you, based off of you saying that, is... Do they have a story for Sasha right now? Is she doing she's anything? She's going to be Charlotte's... She's going to be the big challenger for Sasha Banks. They're going to take the NXT story... For Charlotte. What did I say? For Sasha, oh, for Sasha. Well, that's fine. Yes, for Charlotte. Yeah, I'd watch that match. 
you're going to have, they're going to take the NXT story with Sasha Banks and Charlotte, and they're probably going to redo it almost to the letter on WWE because that was huge. It was big. It was exciting. I, If they were going to redo that to the letter, Sasha and Charlotte would have to be buddies right now. Well, they came out to... No, uh, no, that's true. So it won't be to the letter, but they're going to definitely feud. They're going to redo that feud. They're going to pick it back up in WWE. I think you're right. I think the story that they had was, we're going to put Sasha with Naomi and Tamina. Sasha's going to get to be her own. But they recognize that Sasha needs her own stable. So we're going to put them with these two people. She is obviously going to be the star of that stable within the first five and a half seconds. But Naomi's the main roster person. So then there's going to be this battle like we had in the Nation of Domination when The Rock was the bigger star, but Farouk was technically the leader. So we're going to have that kind of fighting. Tamina's probably going to have to pick sides at some point. I love this booking. I love what you're saying. I think it's a great you don't think idea. It's really what they're doing. They're never going to spend enough time on the women's roster to have this subtle storyline with Sasha actually come to realization. As long as you have Charlotte and you have a feud with her going on, they're never going to give the time investment to Sasha to actually work her way up into being the leader of that faction or breaking out of it. You know what I mean? It's just going to happen again. Here's what I think is right now. If you could go into the the war room of WWE, if they've got their WrestleMania on the wall, so to speak, if they're trying to do long-term booking, they have an index card up there that says Charlotte versus Sasha Banks for the WWE Divas Championship at WrestleMania. And I think they're looking at it going... We've got six, seven months to get there. Charlotte's going to fight Paige right now. That's not going to last more than a couple of months. Charlotte's got Paige right now. We can slowly build up the Team Bad storyline. And by the time the Rumble hits, Sasha's ready. She's now the leader. Charlotte's ready. They're going to fight at WrestleMania. The other thing is, I kind of feel like this whole thing with Charlotte and Paige... Obviously, they've been telegraphing it for a while now, but it doesn't seem like the timing is right to me. Isn't Nikki Bella going to try to get back her title? I mean, we have the longest reigning Divas champion of all time. I mean, ostensibly, this means she's a dominant Well, we saw that. We saw that in Night of Champions. She was dominant. So why is she not involved in a program to regain that belt that she just lost. Isn't that the obvious thing they should be doing right now? Shouldn't Paige be down the line a little ways? I think the three of them show up now. And the fact that Paige took that little pot shot at the Bellas inserts her into that story because Nikki mentioned it when she came out. Nikki called her... Did you happen to see X-Men 3, X3, The Last Stand? I've seen all the X-Men. When they just started throwing every mutant possible into the mix? And doing them wrong, too. That's a different set of circumstances. It's not different in the circumstances. You're just throwing everybody into the mix in the women's division, and you're doing them all wrong in the meantime. Like, I think it's a pretty good analogy. If I had actually. to guess, Helena Cell is Paige versus Nikki versus Charlotte, which will count as Nikki's rematch. She'll invoke her rematch clause. I think Charlotte wins, or Paige wins, and I think the Bellas go away for a while. I think in order for the Divas Revolution to really happen... The Bellas need to disappear for a while, and they need to go do something else. I don't know if that... 
I but, agree. So I think we see a three diva match at Hell in a Cell. I think Survivor Series, we probably get some sort of team match. Maybe that's where we'll get the traditional Survivor Series match. But by the time TLC hits, this is Charlotte and Paige. You know, maybe they have some sort of gimmick yeah. match. And I might be revealing, I'm doing, you wouldn't know this because you don't pay attention to the work I do. But I'm doing a, I have a, on my YouTube channel, which sounds so dorky when I say it, you I have, have a YouTube, a YouTube channel? channel. We can. What do you do on your YouTube I do channel? screencasts where I make little PowerPoint presentations where I talk about fit. I, I did a big fantasy booking to WrestleMania thing where I picked the matches that either. Are you ashamed of this? I ask you this because you have never once mentioned to me before. I mean, we do a freaking wrestling podcast together, sir. And you have never mentioned to me before that you have a YouTube I've had it channel for about I've had it for about te- I've had it for about 10 days. And you are world And you didn't think you would mention that to me, your podcast cohort here, the co-host, the unendorsed Doc Manson. You didn't think maybe that you would want to inform him that you're out there trying to make some of that sweet, sweet money on the side for just yourself? First of all, it's got about 60 views total, so let's calm down about the sweet, (laughs) sweet money. And second of all, you have said on pretty much every podcast that we have that you don't watch, read, or listen to any other work I do besides... I said I didn't... I said I didn't read it. I had no idea that the option was there to well, watch. Well, I will send you the link, my friend, so you can watch. So here's the thing, though. Okay, that's great. Send me the link. But I'm just going to tell you, on the air, if you think... I mean, you got to promote yourself, man. DC, you got to promote. If I, your co-host, don't even know that you have a YouTube channel, who the hell is... No wonder you have 60 views total. Get the word out there, my well, friend. Well, then let me tell you all. I am just blasting my mic, by the way. <laughs> I'm just. This I am is, redlining this like is every the sentence. best podcast we've ever done. We need maybe Saturday no nights are our time, but this is. But all right, there, neighborhood. The following announcement is paid for by Pumpkin Spice Latte M and M's. Go to. Don't say that. I think that might be litigious or possibility. Uh, so, not brought to you by those pumpkins. And certainly not brought to you by S'mores Candy Corn. Yes, not at all. But go to my YouTube channel. It's in my Twitter feed somewhere. Go to YouTube. Search for DC. <laughs> That's not how you promote. It's the link is somewhere in my Twitter. What is the URL? I think it is youtube.com slash channel slash DC Matthews NAI. But I don't know if that will necessarily get you there. So obviously. Okay, would you please check on check that on it, for the no, next I'll show right or even now. this show? I'll check right now. Let me see. Because. YouTube. Come on. <laughs> what are we doing this for? If we're not going to tell people about it. <laughs> I'm dying. Well, it doesn't here. work. See, I don't know what the link is. Do it without channel. I don't know. All right, this is great radio. Am I going to have to look this up? Nope, for you? that page oh isn't available either. Because I, what I do is I go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, sure you do. it says my channel. So uh, all all sixty views are just you looking yourself up no. and watching it. Well, let's see. Part one yeah. had twenty seven views. Part two has twenty six views, and part three has nine views. So we're, we're in a slump right now. But right now, the 
it says the link is youtube.com slash channel slash UCHW3GLQKZ. So I don't understand what that means. You, of all people, know my ability to handle technology. The fact that we have a podcast and I'm able to even tell you what a screencast is, is a big moment for me, all right? I know how to work Audacity, damn it. I know how to get this microphone to work. I got Skype going. I got YouTube going. I got Twitter going. This is as much as I can do. This is my swordfish, all right? This is me trying to hack into as many things as I can. I got 61 views. I got four subscribers. That's enough for me right now. But if you can figure out how to get the link... You, I would appreciate you tweeting it out. I, well, I mean, we can grab the link, but yeah, you're. I, I don't think you. I'm guessing you have to go into your settings and actually like set a channel oh, God, name. Now I gotta find out how to get into my settings. Yeah. Okay. okay never mind. Let's. Let, we'll get this set up. Creator for the next show. I'm is there sorry. something called? I'm sorry. Something called Creator Studio. I don't know what that is. You gotta stop. We have to talk more about wrestling. This is going off the no, rails. This Come is gonna be, You're this the host is gonna here. Be Come the on. Best show. All right, let's actually talk about wrestling. Um, we talked about, we mentioned Kevin Owens and Ryback. We have a new Intercontinental Champion. Uh, I enjoyed that match very, very much. I loved. It was a good match, but the wrong person won. Would you like to explain yourself a little bit? Yeah, I was really hoping that Doink the Clown was going to come back and <laughs> win the match. Doink the Clown is dead. Well, I presume somebody else can put on the makeup. I'm pretty sure you put on the wig and you just become Doink. I think that's Isn't how that it works. Isn't that what Bray Wyatt should be? Not he should be Doink the Clown. <laughs> that would be fantastic. If he came out with the, the Doink wig. Oh my god, Bray Wyatt would be a great Doink. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh my god, DC Matthews NAI on Twitter. He says that Bray Wyatt would be better served if he came out as the next Doink the Clown. You heard it here first, folks. You should go see his screencasts on his YouTube channel. <laughs> Whatever that may be. <laughs> right? Oh. If you search for DC Matthews on YouTube, you'll find two users with that name. And you don't want the first one because it's got some crazy crap on it. <laughs> but the second one... Well, it's a picture of Mick Foley with the NAI logo, so I think you'll be okay. Right, that's, that's the, the one, one you want. For. I just tweeted, this is the best show ever. This is the best neighborhood podcast we've ever had. This is our sweet 16th because it's just fantastic. All right. So uh, yeah. you were hoping that Doink the Clown would come in. Now Bray Wyatt's <laughs> wig and being just that would be even creepier I gotta tell you if you could see with the green wig being lit by the lantern and all of that and then he comes into the ring I don't even want the makeup on I just want him wearing the green wig I just want the wig and I want them to put some LED lights actually in the wig so when he walks in he's not even holding the lantern anymore it's just this illuminated green you know fluorescent so he should take the lights just he should take down the lights the out of Jericho's jacket and put it in the wig yes oh, absolutely done. better use of those done. lights for doink sure. Wyatt ladies and gentlemen hashtag mm-hmm. hashtag doink Wyatt it's gonna take over the world alright let's get back to Kevin Owens and Ryback it was a great match I loved the working on the arm. Did you really think right? You did. You said you predicted, you predicted that Ryback was going to win. Was that really what you were hoping Mm -hmm. for? Absolutely. Ryback, I think, is a good champion. As I said here before, I think he's got good appeal to the mainstream audience. He has, whether or not 
I think it was Brandon who disagreed with me on Twitter uh, about him being a black hole of charisma. He thinks he is. I say he's actually very charismatic uh, hold on. Uh, in let terms me, of the reaction. Let me he check. Gets let me check Twitter really quickly. The people who think that Ryback yeah, that was uh, everybody. Everybody thinks that Ryback <laughs> is a black hole of charisma. Except I disagree. For he 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 can't. As I said last week, he is not a good speaker he could use a mouthpiece but he has a physical charisma about him and the crowd reacts to him whether or not you guys want to believe it or not you can hear the crowd reaction every time he starts shaking well, his arm they're with it they're with him um but anyways yeah i i thought that might have been good i think ryback has the potential to make that title more prestigious than he did Obviously, Kevin Owens also has that opportunity. I think he maybe will be able to do a better job of it than Ryback could. I'm not going to make that argument. But, I mean, if they let Ryback do something other than feud with the Big Show and The Miz, maybe he could have done something with that belt. That's all I'm going to say about that. I don't think Ryback got a fair shake. I agree with you on the fact that he didn't get the greatest start, or he didn't get the greatest run. He was hampered by injury. That wasn't his fault. He feuded with Miz in the Big Show, and I will say, I will pay the man a compliment when he ne- he deserves one. He made fairly good matches out of working with the Big Show and working with the Miz. And in his own way, he had a good match with Owens, although Owens did the lion's share of the work there. But we have a new Intercontinental Champion. His name is Kevin Owens. And Adam, NAI superfan Adam, at Adam K N A I asks us... Where do we think Kevin Owens should go next? Once this feud with Ryback is over, because obviously it's going to continue to some extent at Hell in a Cell, where would you like to see Owens go next? How should the Intercontinental title, if he wins it, if he keeps it rather, maybe Ryback wins it back, how should Owens move forward? What do you think, Doc Manson? You're stealing my thunder, sir. I think that's exactly what happens. He comes out of this not the Intercontinental title. So the real question that Adam should be asking is, what does the Intercontinental champion do next? And that's Ryback. Where does he move on after this? After finally overcoming Kevin Owens, the first major obstacle that's been put in front of him. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm not sure. To, I can't make that prediction yet. This, this feud could last for months. I'd like to see them go back and forth at least through WrestleMania three years from now. So I, I don't know. I think there's a lot, there's potential here. I mean, Kevin Owens is never going to go on to be a main event guy, so we might as well just keep him in the mid-card title picture. And with Ryback, seems as good a place as any. Doc Manson says he wants Ryback and Kevin Owens to continue for the next three years. If you thought you got hate mail with the Roman Reigns comment there, just you wait. I... I... Don't think I'll hear anything of the sort. I think Kevin Owens is going to keep the title. I think he's yeah, he's he going to be will. the one to do what... Well, he can't do what John Cena did. John Cena's raising up of the U.S. title was a unique circumstance that could only be done by Cena. But I think Kevin Owens can legitimize I... that belt. However, I do take issue with a lot of people, and I know you have something to say and we'll come back to it, but... There are a lot of people online that think that Kevin Owens himself has just revitalized the Intercontinental title. Let's calm down. We've seen plenty of good people win the Intercontinental title. Dolph Ziggler, whatever you think of him now, was a good Intercontinental champion. Bad News Barrett was the Intercontinental champion multiple times. It is going to take far more than a single person to make that belt meaningful again. You need a strong division of talents, of which Ryback can be one, 
to be competing for that belt to make it matter. You need guys like Kevin Owens. You need guys like Ryback. You need guys like Neville, who I think is his next challenger. I think after Ryback comes Neville. You need guys like that who are going to make the division meaningful. Back to you. That's a great point, DC. I mean, that's a great point. And but one thing I just want to throw in there, statistically speaking, it's far more likely that the Intercontinental Championship is going to ruin Kevin Owens' chances of ever being anybody in this company than it is that he is going to elevate that belt. Just statistically speaking. Uh, historically speaking, absolutely. If we look at the past champions, yeah. it's been bad. I wrote a column on that months ago talking about... I wouldn't uh, know. Exactly. That's why I didn't share my YouTube channel with you. Because <laughs> I figure if we're not doing it now, what do you care? So, I'm hey, just saying. That cuts I'm deep. I'm just saying. That I'm hurt. sorry. Right here. Right here in your... In the cockles the of the heart. That too. <laughs> right. I'm actually I, I know. We're going to talk about Halloween. We're getting into Shocktober. Pumpkin spice. Oh, it's so tasty. Why do you have to make that sound? We're trying to be a family-friendly show, and Connor, our 12-year-old fan, is not going to be able to listen to this show if you're making sounds like that. Well, I promise not to mention any more inappropriate films, so... Wow, then that's just fine. All right, so we talked about Owen. Do you have any more comments on the Intercontinental title? Because we are we are 40 minutes in, and we've talked about two matches from Sunday, not getting into any of the other stuff. So any final comments on the Intercontinental title before I move on? Okay. No. Um, John Cena is the U.S. champion. I'm excited. I like the U.S. Open Challenge. I hear it's going to happen again, including at Hell in a Cell. He's going to do the Open Challenge at the pay-per-view itself. Your thoughts on John Cena being the U.S. champion? Well, if I could just go back to the Intercontinental thing for a minute. The thing that I actually want... I'm actually not just intentionally obstructing you this time. Uh, I actually, you brought up I'm a point up in your it at your Skype before face. that's related to John Cena that I think is important that I'd like to that I would like to mention. Okay, and that point is you've talked about how you liked John Cena's U.S. Open Challenge, and you said that you didn't think that Kevin Owens necessarily would be able to do something like that. But with Kevin Owens' character as you know this prize fighter who now has a prize, um, you're right. It's out of his character to do an open challenge like John Cena did. So I almost feel like we're going to get the inverse from him, as opposed to you know him just defending it every night. Uh, he's going to build up the fact that actually getting to challenge him for the belt could be a bigger event. So that actually could work out to we see more competition on Raw between guys with just Kevin Owens on commentary and he helps elevate the belt just through building that program of oh you've got to be you got to prove that you are worthy to fight me so it's sort of like I said the inverse of what John Cena did but it could be just as effective at elevating that title excellent point sir but we had moved on to the US title so eh. so unfortunately <laughs> I don't accept late comments, so I'm going to have that. I'm <laughs> okay, having that stricken um, from the record. No, I think that was a it great was a, point. I'm going to keep it. All right, U.S. champion John Cena. Thoughts? Do you care at all? He did a good thing with the U.S. championship before, and then I was robbed of the ending of that by giving it to Seth Rollins. Like they were building this challenge up as a thing, 
and it was week after week after week, and finally the guy who was going to beat him should have gotten a great, you know, rub. He should have been put over. You beat John Cena for the U.S. Championship. But they kind of just hit the reset button on all of well, that with the stuff that happened well, with so Seth Rollins. I don't feel – they have to start from zero again. Well, and me. so my question is, why do you think if – you, if you had to guess, what is your conjecture? Why do you think that Rollins won the U.S. title in the first place? What was the point of that? Because creative doesn't have a grand plan nine months in advance. They're just being reactionary and doing things on a whim. And then it doesn't always make the most logical sense. They're not planning these things. At least that's my interpretation. I don't think there is a reason other than they're not paying that close of attention to the things. So how far ahead do you think they plan? Is it week to week? Is it month to month? It's show to show. I mean, you hear about um, the way that Vince McMahon would be rewriting the show on his jet two hours before the next Raw. I don't think that that atmosphere has changed. I don't think that they actually are allowed to plan. I think the writers, I mean, I would like to think that the writers have the best of intentions, and maybe they do have these ideas they want to get to, but as long as all their ideas are gated through an individual who just changes his mind based off quarter-hour ratings, uh, I, I, I don't think they have the ability to actually ever plan anything. You mentioned the ratings, and I'm so glad you did, because our our good friend Tyler... Do you like I that segue? Like that segue. Tyler, at MoTWWE, asked us to talk about, since WWE is ratings-based, how long do you think Rollins holds the championship with the low ratings? And I want to expand this to talk about the ratings as a whole, because ratings apparently are lower than they've been in a very, very long time. Uh, from what the rumors are, there's a bit of a panic feel going on in world wrestling entertainment right now. Uh do you do you have any thoughts on the ratings? Do you think there's a solution? Is it the fact that we now can see that they're planning show to show? And what what do you think the cause is of the fact that people aren't tuning in? Um, I'm going to circumvent that question by saying it doesn't matter. I, I I know you're giving me that look, but here's the thing. Here's the here's the one thing that you and I'm sorry, who brought this? Tyler up at Moti WWE. Okay, here's the thing that Tyler's not thinking about, and no offense, Tyler, but the thing you're not thinking about is that now there is a WWE network that you can subscribe to for nine ninety nine a month. And it doesn't matter that ratings are going down, 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 because that subscriber number is going up, 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 and that is all profit. They don't care about ratings anymore. They're going to be making their bread and butter somewhere else, and... I think they are seeing that it doesn't matter. They're going to get their creative ideas, and they're going to just do whatever they want, and it doesn't matter whether or not people really seem to be responding to it in terms of ratings, because as long as people keep subscribing to the network, why would they change anything? I, I think you make another solid point, and this time it's actually on topic, so I'll allow it to stand. Uh, Thank you're, you. You're welcome. Stop. But I, I do think that the ratings matter in some sense. As long as WWE is going to be on cable, which I think is a limited amount of time now, if we're looking far into the future, I think that they're going to have some interest in ratings because otherwise, you know, there's going to be a problem when they're... You're not wrong. But you're I do wrong. think Go you ahead. make a valid point. I think as long as people are subscribing to the WWE Network, I think that's that's going to be... a 
something that matters. And I think that's going to be something that they consider. All right, our subscribers are still strong, so our ratings are a little down. I also think the WWE Network is a double-edged sword. There are literally thousands of hours of content. You spent part of today watching Halloween Havoc 1989. I don't pay for cable, which means I... That's time I will never get back. Which means I can sit down and watch Halloween Havoc 1989 or watch Legends House or watch Legends with JBL. Did you see that, by the way? Did you watch Legends with JBL with Eric Bischoff? What do you think? I don't think you did, but you should. It was good. Have you seen... Oh, Eric Bischoff was on it? It was a two... Now I'm two-part interview, two-part interview with Eric Bischoff, actually talking about important, you know, interesting things, not just cookie cutter answers. Not so. News to me, yes, right, I will. Did watch you that. watch New Day's Table for Three? No, and I never will. Okay, but the point I was trying to make before Doc Manson got all negative on me is that I can sit down anytime I want, including during Raw, and watch the WWE Network. And since people seem to have a lot of problems with the current WWE content, I can go find exactly my favorite parts of wrestling and watch those. I can watch all the Dean Malenko matches I can and be as happy as a clam and not care about current WWE. And here's the other thing. Um, The ratings have just been going down year over year for how long now? The last Probably decade? since the peak of the Attitude Era. I can't, I can't imagine that Correct. since 97, 98 Monday Night Wars, I don't think they've touched those ratings since then. I could be wrong. And so what they've done is they've created a business model for themselves that is no longer dependent on the ratings. So I think that just, again, just underscores the fact that the ratings, while that was maybe something they really cared about in the Attitude Era when there was competition going on at the same time, I just think they've devalued that as a metric. I mean, TV as a whole, nobody's watching TV anymore. So those ratings numbers are coming from smaller and smaller groups of people. And if you know anything about science, math, statistics, smaller data sets allow you to infer less information from them. So I think, again, they've realized this is a metric that maybe isn't as relevant anymore. Well, and plus... Do you need to watch Raw now to appreciate a pay-per-view? Because no. all you're, you're going to see all the little vignettes of the the recaps of everything. I'm. They've changed their presentation to go along with this new business. I, model. I think you make an excellent point. If I if I had sat down having not watched WWE this month and I turned on Night of Champions, I would have a pretty good idea was what was going on with the stories, which would be. What matters? So, to answer Tyler's question, talking about how long Rollins is going to be the champion, I think Rollins is the champion for as long as they want him to be the champion. I don't think the ratings. Bingo. I don't think the ratings are going to matter. Um, speaking of, so I could have sat down and watched Night of Champions, and I could have gotten caught up on all of these things, including what happened with Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Beast Stroganoff, all of those people. So I could have caught up with that. We had our mystery partner revealed. It was revealed to be Y2J Chris Jericho. I'll talk about... Uh, this is my weekly wet fart hanging in the arena. Chris Jericho? What a uninspired choice. I, I love Chris Jericho. I'm always, I think I tweeted something to the effect of always glad to see Chris Jericho. And I'm legitimately always glad to see him. But he was not the right choice for that partner. They needed somebody who could match the sheer power 
of Beef Stroganoff. That was the story that they were building up. And then just to have Chris Jericho come in, who does absolutely nothing to offset the threat, the growing threat over the last month of television, it, one, makes no logical sense, and just, to me, un again, just serves to devalue the storytelling that they tell on a weekly basis because they don't go to any sort of logical conclusions ever. And I have to agree with you. Chris Jericho was not the right choice. I like Chris Jericho fine, but I agree with everything you just said. The size, even Cesaro, who did nothing on that pay-per-view, might I add, would have at least matched up more size-wise than Chris Jericho. I thought the it was a... The, it was spoiled for me. Somebody, uh, a friend of mine, a colleague on here in the neighborhood posted that, you know, Chris Jericho was in the arena, which kind of killed it for me. He also mentioned that Kane was in the arena, and we'll talk briefly about Kane. But so I had the, that moment kind of ruined for me. I wasn't happy about that. And it wasn't the right choice. He was kind of a, oh, yeah. Him. I think they they salvaged it a bit with the ending. His little whatever that was kind of quasi heel turn was pretty good. Did he? Was he but, on Raw? No, he was not. So I don't know if this is he'll show up in a month or so and they'll start the story. I don't know if this was a one time thing. Just just but, just gonna reiterate my comment about them devaluing their own storytelling by not following threads to their logical conclusions. Chris Jericho oh. was a non entity the night after. What happened on that pay-per-view happened. That, I mean, like you said, maybe he'll be around in a month and they'll jump off from there. But my God, man, you make it hard for me to care when even you don't have seemingly faith in your own storytelling. The last one, we got three pieces of feedback for our show today. And the last one came from a new person, I believe. Heeltown USA, at Heeltown underscore USA. Uh, and Heeltown USA wanted to know, will you be talking about the WWE security issues? During this match, at the beginning, a fan jumped the barricade wearing some sort of shieldish regalia, was standing next to Reigns and Ambrose, got tackled by security. I thought Ambrose and Bray Wyatt played it off beautifully. I give them a whole lot of credit for going with the situation. But this is the second or third time this has happened. I don't know if you know this, Doc Manson. Roman Reigns got hit in the head with a briefcase. So that was... Was not aware of that. That was an issue. Um, somebody came down to the ringside with uh, Seth Rollins a couple of weeks ago. So wait ago. a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Back, backing up. Roman Reigns got hit in the head with a briefcase? The Money in the Bank briefcase hit him in the head. I don't know if you knew Oh, that. I guess he wouldn't be able to catch it if somebody threw it right at him then. But um bum That's Doc Manson looking for more hate from the Ambrains fans. So, WWE obviously has some sort of issue because fans seem to be getting involved a whole lot more than usual. Um, do you think there this is a problem? Do you think this is a an, an issue? Do you think it needs to be addressed? Your thoughts on this happenstance it's a problem it needs to be addressed i don't think it can be addressed and it's a problem that they've made by the atmosphere that they build so if you want me to expand on those <laughs> basically yeah obviously it's a problem you can't just have fans running into the ring um they need to address it because they need to stop that from happening i don't think they can address it because 
it's just a reality of being in an arena doing a live show unless you're going to set up cages around the audience so that they literally cannot get over those barricades I don't know how you stop it and I say that it's a problem they've created because they talk about the WWE universe as though we are a character on their show and that just invites people who maybe are a little unhinged, people who would make the decision to jump into the ring as the mystery partner for Reigns and Ambrose, it just sort of encourages them, I think, to maybe take that chance because there is a lot of audience participation in the product these days. Um, I, I know that's that's probably a real shaky sort of point. You could say, well, there's some sort of audience participation, but it's not like they're telling you to get in the ring. And you're right, they're not. But I'm just saying, like, it's there's, there's a casual sort of atmosphere around that participation that I do think feeds in to fans whose thought processes are such that lead to them jumping that barricade and getting into the ring. Um, so that's my feelings on that. What do you think? I think you're right. I think this is a problem. I think WWE tries to inspire you to get emotionally involved in the product. I also think this is just a couple of people, you know, based on what I saw. I don't know about the briefcase. I didn't see that. But I saw the guy who came down with Rollins who was just trying to be cool. This guy who came in with Reigns and Ambrose, I think obviously something was a little... I don't think Dean Ambrose was the only lunatic in the ring at that moment. I think A little unhinged. A little unhinged. Um, so I think... I, you know, I remember in the Attitude Era, there was security that was it, at ringside. They weren't the arena security. WWE traveled with its own security team. It wasn't guys in suits. It was a guy who looked like Scott Steiner with a big tight t-shirt and a black leather hat. And if you came into the ring, he would kill you a couple of times. They don't have that anymore. I don't know if it's a budgetary thing, but for whatever reason, they don't have that anymore. And I think that's part of the problem is it's way too easy to get past arena security. They're looking to make mm. sure that, you know, you're not throwing a beach ball or you're not doing anything like that. You can get into the ring. There's plenty of places for you to hop the barricade and cause a problem. I think that you bring up a good point the security that they used to kind of travel with and have in the crowds may have been a remnant of an earlier time in wrestling because there was a time when everybody believed the product was real and, you know, people wanted to jump that barricade and stab Rowdy Roddy Piper. Sure. And so you legitimately needed that security. And I could see that having maybe the need for that fading off as it's become more and more accepted that this is a staged product. So if that was the mentality of why that security was there, you could see why that might have fallen off over time, given that the general audience no longer believes that this is, you know, a life or death real situation. But you're right. Now it has this opening where, well, if you don't have the physical presence, of course the hoo-hahs are going to start getting into the ring, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you bring up a good point. Maybe they got to bring back that security presence, and just the you know just having that visible presence will probably be enough of the deterrence. Uh, yeah, that, that's a great point. All right, we're back. We took a little intermission. Uh, this is this was not hashtag DC uses the bathroom. This was hashtag DC makes a snack. Uh, so there's a slight difference in that. It wasn't pumpkin spiced either. I'm sorry. I, I should okay. have done some pumpkin spice things. All you right. already said you don't like pumpkins. So I it's, really it's, don't. We understand. I, I, for whatever reason, I have a coworker who was making pumpkin chili. Would you eat Ew. pumpkin chili? I mean, 
Yeah, but it doesn't sound appealing. See, I told you I have a problem. I have a sickness. It doesn't sound appealing, but I just told you I would eat it. Help. Would you ever make... I know you're a gumbo fan. Would you ever put pumpkin in your gumbo? Would I? Sure. No. But if somebody else did, would you eat it? Yeah. All right. I have a problem. Hashtag Doc's pumpkin problem. Uh, the only thing from Night of Champions, I, I'm not going to talk about Ziggler and Rusev, and as much as I love New Day and the Dudleys, I don't have much to say about that, and I don't think you do either. The match was fine. It was good. The end. But we need to talk a little bit more about Sting. Um, Sting did not win the World Heavyweight title, which is what I predicted. I was wrong. Um, he did, however, almost create history, because there was a moment there where I thought he was going to die. And I was like, oh my god, Sting is going to die in the ring on camera. It's too bad that he faced Triple H at WrestleMania, because I was really hoping that he was going to set a record of being the only person to debut in the WWE and be retired in the same match. That's very true. It would have been his one. Although he had some matches on Raw. Oh, that's true. He wrestled nice. the big show and such. But, but yes, only have I wonder if there's ever been someone besides like your jobbers from the 80s right who right. had like a one match career who came out wrestled one match and then either chose to retire or medically had to retire from competition that would be an interesting statistic out there neighborhood if anyone wants an extra credit homework assignment find us someone with a one or two match career but all right so the match I thought was good up until the end. Uh, Sting did, uh, he dove off the top rope, which I wasn't expecting, onto Rollins on the uh, floor. Do you disagree? Do you not remember the match? You don't remember the match. I remember. It was a good, it was a very good match. So. I remember, yeah, it was It was very good. I enjoyed it. Um, I, Sting gave a great performance. He looked great. I mean, the last five years he was in TNA, man. Dude was wrestling with a t-shirt on over his singlet. That tells you what kind of shape he was in. Um, so he was in the best shape that I have seen him in in the last 10 years. Uh, at just just, just physically, just looking at him physically, entering into that matchup with Rollins at Night of Champions. It's clear that he you know, was maybe reinvigorated. He was working out a little bit again. He cared some more. And he put on a hell of a match. He was a real workhorse. He was... Holding his own with a real young buck, really going the distance. And then we all remembered that, man, Sting is old, and his body probably shouldn't be taking this crap. And his body said, hey, I'm kind of old, and I really shouldn't have taken this crap, and I'm just going to collapse now. Mm. And that's what happened. Well, I the the turnbuckle bomb, the first one, was fine. Going through yeah. the table, I was like, okay. I think that was the start of the problem. Actually. Oh, I, oh, definitely. You know, you could see, and I know this was his arm, but you could see a giant bruise that immediately formed on his bicep after hitting the monitor with that table. And at least it wasn't his head. That was my thought, was I'm watching the replay going, did he just crack his skull open on a monitor on the Spanish announce table? And thankfully he didn't. But... That second turnbuckle bomb, you saw right away if you watched the replay, something was not right afterwards. You know, and he said he got numbness. I mean, when numbness he went and, off the rope to take that clothesline. 
Oh, he just, just uh, yeah. His collapsed. body, his body gave out. That wasn't, you know. Oh, I'm faking an injury. It was. I would. I did. I. I thought. Okay, this is an Owen Hart level moment here because his body just crumpled. It wasn't pretty. It was just his legs no longer had the capability of holding him up. And you know, the doctors came in. Seth did a good job of trying to distract everybody. Sting did an amazing job of being able to get to his feet, kind of shake off the tingly feelings in his arms and legs. The match didn't last much longer than that, but it didn't have to. So. I'm glad Sting's not the world champion. I think Rollins, you know, I, I loved your idea of Rollins losing both titles, but I think it's fine that he held the he's holding the world title still. Um, I think I actually said that he was going to, uh, I mean, my timing was off, but I think I had the prediction right. I said he was going to lose to John Cena at the beginning of the night, and then they were going to build up that story, oh, can he go, can he go, then he was going to pull it out over Sting. I did think it was weird that they went back-to-back. I know it was more of a, Very I know it was more of a statement of the fact that Rollins is a CrossFit machine because he didn't even look that tired at the end of the second match. But mm. I did think that was odd that the whole last hour was the Seth Rollins show. Uh, and I and just like the Seth Rollins show on Raw, I, he's good, he's fine, but I don't think he's a whole show. He is not the whole effing show, you know. I mean, well, let's let's he is no Rob. Let's let's use this transition then, because one of the things that was talked about on Twitter a lot over the last week was one the problems with the ratings, as we talked about before, and somebody suggested that one of the problems with the ratings was that there's not a strong protagonist. Seth Rollins is the heel. There's really nobody that's his counterpoint. You know, maybe it was John Cena, maybe it was Sting, which led me to ask the question on Twitter at DC Matthews NAI. If you were booking WWE, who are the five to six wrestlers that you would build your company around? And I said you had to pick WWE or NXT guys. Uh, I've heard from a lot of members of the neighborhood. I wrote myself the 10 guys that I would book around because I made the question so I can change the rules. So I ask you, Doc Manson, because I know you're going to circumvent my rules, so you probably got a list of 30 guys. Who are the talents that you would build this company around? Right. Um, So... Hmm. Building you this told company me you had around. An you told me you had your guys. Oh, I do. I do. I had something I wanted to say based off of your segue, and I was trying to think of it, but it didn't. It wasn't coming. Okay. So, but but regardless, um, too much pumpkin spice. Yeah, I guess so. It's going right to my brain. The six guys that I would build the next five to ten years off of. This is what I think how you phrase the product on Twitter. So that's what I was sort of going. I think off I said I said I four was... to six years, but you can five to ten is fine oh, too. Okay, four to six is even better. That works in more in my Good. favor. And I'm going to tell you right now, my answers are not going to be popular. But you asked I me, did. who would I build this product around if I was building for the next four to six years? Big show. Big Show, Big Show, Big Show, Big Show, Big Show, Big Show. Uh, Big Show was pre- he was at one time on my list. I said actually I thought about it for a long time, and it's gone through a couple of revisions now. Um, and he was on the list at one time. He is not currently. Are you registered? I are you registered at like NewAgeInsiders.com? Have I have I convinced you to register so that you can write and post columns and no. things? Well, I mean, I was going to, but. Um, 
I guess I can only write on Fridays or something. So I s- just haven't been motivated to, to sign if up. If you could write every day, would would you be more motivated to sign up? Actually, yes. I'll see what I can do. I am the chief of staff of the New Age Insiders. <laughs> I don't mind using my powers and abusing them when right. the time well, is right. Okay. But uh, in terms of the s- six guys, that's what I'm going off of here. The first one, the first guy who I think you really want to build this company around. Are you ready? I'm, I'm mouthing who I think it is. The first one, the most important one, is actually... Triple H. That wasn't who I was mouthing, but okay, explain. Well, you need to have, I think, a Vince-level authority figure on your product. You need to have somebody who is capable of steering the ship and being a strong presence. Hunter is versatile. He can be a heel, he can be a face, and he's been acting in this authority role for a while, and I think he does a good job of it. I think he can, again, the, the key to this, since I only have six guys to choose, sure. was versatility for me on some uh, of this. And Triple H is just one of those guys. You need somebody at the top guiding the ship to build everything and around. And you're talking, you you're talking an figure. on-camera personality, right? On-camera personality, absolutely. Okay. And, I, and, I mean, and, he, and you know what? Just like, just like Vince did during the Attitude Era, he can go in the ring... He can just be the authority figure who doesn't wrestle. He's, again, versatile. He could do both, depending on what the situation called for. I think he's a very important part of the product uh, on camera for the next uh, four to six years, for sure. He's number one, I think. Um, Now, after that, you know, obviously, I like Triple H in that heel sort of authority figure. So, you need a top face. And I think this is probably what you were mouthing at me before. And this is another answer that people aren't going to like. No, I think think people will understand what you're going with. Over the course of the next four to six years, your top face is John Cena. Sorry. Word life. This is basic thugonomics. But I'm serious. John Cena has at least ten years left in his tank. I mean... I, I, I don't like that maybe any more than you guys do, but he has proved himself to be a company man. He's willing to go. He's not especially injury-prone. He has occasionally been out with injury, but he t- tends to rehab very quickly and get back in the game. And, you know, he's you want to build a product that's actually going to appeal to the mainstream. He's popular with the ladies. He's popular with the kids. It's all the reasons why he is who he is right now in the product, and there's no reason... Do not allow him to be built around. He's a great person to build a company around, and that's the reason, hint, hint, that's the reason why he has the position he has in the WWE, whether you like it or not. I, I can't argue with either one. All right. So, Triple H, right. John Cena, who's third? All right. Well, now I think we probably need a top heel who can be wrestling f- mostly full-time. I'm not sure what you're trying to write, but again, I don't think this is going to be the popular answer, but it might be a little more popular than the last two. Brock Lesnar. Okay. I love that he was, he was, I, I will say, he was not the most popular choice from the people in the neighborhood, but he showed up on quite a few lists. So, I mean, honestly, he's a main event attraction. He's a fantastic heel. Um, he's an imposing physical force. And I think. When you put him on a pay-per-view, people watch. They want to watch Brock Lesnar. So 
again, you want to build a company over the course of the next five years, I think Brock is a must-have on that roster. Now, are you presuming that Brock Lesnar's will be wrestling for those five years? I mean, yes, I think he will be wrestling. I don't know necessarily that he's going to wrestle every night. It might just be like he is now. And I'm assuming that, I mean, I'm picking these guys. I I have to assume there's more than six guys in the company. But if I have to build around these people, um, yeah, he's a cornerstone for sure. Okay, number four. All right, number four. Um, I don't know if you'll accept this as my number four, and if not, we can talk about it. But... It's kind of tied in with one of my previous answers. I think that we want to build this company around, number four, Paul Heyman. You need a talker. You need a manager. This man can sell you anything. If you were on a canoe without a paddle in the middle of a lake, he could sell you water, okay? This man is phenomenal and he's never been better in his entire career as he is right now amazingly he's got his association with brock but you could put him with anybody you wanted to build any sort of faction for any sort of storyline reason paul Heyman is the guy you want selling that curtis axel certainly would back you up on that well, I would say the only relevant thing that Curtis Axel has done ever was being associated with Paul Heyman. So, I mean, I think the proof's right there that Paul Heyman did everything that he could. And even then, for a fraction of a moment, you believed Curtis Axel could be somebody, even though he's, you know, he's Curtis Axel. All right, so... So, again, I wasn't sure if you were going to accept that, because he's not a wrestler. No, I think that's fine. You pick six, you know, you... you... I give you the question, you pick six talents Mm -hmm. from WWE and NXT. I presumed male talents, but some people picked picked women. Bailey was on the list a lot. Sasha was on the list a lot. I want to say very specifically, I chose guys because of the wording of the question. I I, I don't want anybody to think that I don't think there's a place for women building uh, when I'm building a company around them. I would have chosen some women, but I thought the constraints of the question no, were and, such that I had to choose guys. And you were correct in thinking so. You know, okay. the some I think uh, Lost in Stereo Liz out there on Twitter is going to do her own version where she picks the six women she'd build around. Okay. But that's another question that can happen on another podcast. Absolutely. So, all right, so you've got Triple H, Cena, Lesnar, Heyman. Who are your final two? All right, number five. It's going to be a popular choice, probably, but not one that I think, again, most people are going to be very pleased about. The Rock. Okay. The Rock is a current roster member of the WWE. If you go to their website and you go to the current roster, he appears there. So, again, a huge mainstream talent. If you could get him on television, people love to listen to him talk. And he's in phenomenal shape. He's in better shape than most of the people on the damn roster. So, Frankly, he would have to maybe get his cardio in order, as we saw at WrestleMania a couple years ago. But I think he could go easily, and I think he's more entertaining than anybody else in the roster. So again, since he's on the roster and the constraints of this, I can build around anybody. Of course I would include The Rock. He's the freaking Rock! So, just to be clear, while your video shakes, we've got two part-time wrestlers. One wrestler... Actually, no, three part-time wrestlers. Who's if we part- count... If we count Triple H, Triple H, Lesnar, and The Rock are part-time wrestlers. One manager and John Cena. That's your top five. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just wanting to make sure that I... Have I'm... you also noticed something else about my answers? 
I don't know if you've noticed if you've been watching the product at all, and I know The Rock is not necessarily super available all the time, but when he is, he is a cornerstone of the show. These are all the guys who they actually are building their show around. Is it any surprise that just as I'm thinking through who the people who I would really want to actually build a show around, I happen upon the exact same thing they're actually doing? I know we like to second-guess creative. We like to think Vince is just crazy off of his rocker. But, you know, when you really stop to think about it, you know somewhere in the back of your mind that Vince has a great mind for this business, and he's been making good decisions for a very long time. And I think this exercise of yours that you has has shown me, because I have, I'll be honest, I have second-guessed a lot of Vince McMahon's things. You hear a lot of things. Why is he doing this? Why isn't he not pushing new talent? I considered a lot of new talent for my list. But honestly, if we're talking about the next four to six years, we've got a lot of established guys who are able to go. So is it any wonder that a lot of the decisions they make end up looking short-sighted? I mean, sure, maybe, but when I really sat down to try to fill out this list, I came to these conclusions myself of my own accord, and I was just kind of like, wow, maybe they're smarter than I gave them credit for, even though it does look like they're just running a product into the ground. Anything to say about that? I... I think you make some valid points as always. You've been making valid points ever since you joined this podcast. I don't, but I think these are guys that you can build around. I think, and it depends on who your sixth guy is, and it would have to go on to seven through 12 or seven through 20. But you've picked a lot of guys who would be great to build four to six years around. And, and that I think, was the constraints and, of the and that was the constraints of the question, and that's why I think you said when I told you it went from you said it was originally five to ten, and I said it's actually four to six. You said that helped your case, and it does mm-hmm. in the, in the constraints of the question four to six. I'd be cu- I'd be interested to know. I think if, all these guys are legit. If if I'm talking about five to ten years, I think all these guys are good through five years, and most of them are probably going to be reaching end of life around ten. I don't mean actual the end of their lives i mean the end of their viable life as a productive superstar on the roster i think outside we're talking 10 years doc manson predicts the rapture in wwe (laughs) will happen in 2025 but i mean you know legitimately Um, i i understand what you're saying i think i think you're talking you're building your company in the way that you want to attract people and things i think the problem is that and again we haven't heard your number 6 choice but you've got a lot of guys who are good cornerstones but your company's going to be built on who the people in between are and how they interact and eventually ideally i would think overcome those cornerstones in order to become cornerstones themselves i mean ideally that's what happens right but i mean but still, when you talk about the people who need to be in place to build a product in the short term, it's not about the other guys because the other guys aren't stars yet. You need the stars. You need the people filling these important positions first because they help you build the other stars. Um, so I, that's kind of my motivations and how I'm answering this question. So, okay, I want to move on to the sixth. Sure. I want to ask you, though, Based off of what I've been saying so far, any guesses for my sixth slot? Well, 
I'm torn because part of me wants to go with another tried and true cornerstone. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to bring Stone Cold back in. I don't well, know if- I will say Stone Cold, if you go to the uh, website, is not currently listed as part of the roster. The Rock is. Stone Cold That's is not. That's true. All right. Well, I, I, I spend enough time on there. Let's see. Uh, El Torito, Hornswoggle. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, it, you won't pick. you won't pick him. You just won't pick him. You won't do Who? it. Who won't I pick? Him. Him. Who? I'm going to say. Him? You, him I'm going to say. No, I'm not going to even say his no, name because then you're going to pick this him. Be? No. Who? I'm going to say that you picked for your sixth guy, Kevin Owens. Oh, man. He is on the short list of people who did not make it. Okay. Very short list of people who I thought were good contenders, but he did not make the sixth position. Then and if so, I had who it? is the fellow who I dare not pick? Go ahead, say it. No, I want to hear who you pick. No, I need before. you to say it. I'm not going to. You need no. You're gonna to have to. No, I'm not going bring to it, because bring it. I I swear, if you picked Ryback as your sixth person, <laughs> this is the end of the neighborhood podcast, and I don't just mean this episode. Oh, okay. I will okay. I will walk out of this room. I will put your fears at ease, DC. I did not pick Ryback as my sixth member. I'm not. I like Ryback, but I'm not that. Hold crazy. on, I need to catch my breath. All right, then I'm going to guess you picked Roman Reigns. That is a great guess. Uh, but and you know what? It makes a lot of sense, especially based off of you know all the things I talked about in terms of mm-hmm. how I came up with my other five. Because I and I think and I think versatility counts because I do think Roman Reigns could be the next John Cena level babyface. Or he could be a Brock Lesnar-style heel if you booked him right and put him with Paul Heyman. And you're not wrong. So. And here's the thing about Roman Reigns is, though, all the other guys that I picked, I picked because they already exist in these roles. They're fulfilling them, and I need them as the cornerstones. As you so aptly pointed out, I'm going to need some guys that overcome these cornerstones. And Roman Reigns is the obvious pick going back to, you know, Vince McMahon making a lot of real smart decisions. Roman Reigns is the guy that he is building up to do those things, or at least he was. I'm actually not convinced that they really are anymore, but they were. Um, And that's great logic. Fantastic. Love it. Roman Reigns is not my sixth pick. Then... Could you please tell us who your sixth pick is? My then? sixth pick is... Drum roll, at, please. I went back and forth a lot on this. Dean Ambrose. Okay. Why? Why Dean over Roman, over Seth, over Owens, over any of these guys? This is Why just showing my own... This is just... This is... The true nature of this... You know, exercise was probably also to show a little bit of your own personality, show a little bit of what guys do you like right now. And I got caught up in the constraints of it for the majority of this, of, of, of the question being asked me. But I had those five guys. I couldn't really think of another one who was needed. And then I said, well, of the new guys, who do I really feel like has it? Who do I feel like really could be the next big guy? And I thought about Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is a very physically imposing dude, and obviously they're building him up, or they were. But I don't think he's very... I I don't think Roman Reigns is very versatile. I I think he can be a face, he can be a heel, 
but he's not a fantastic talker. People are going to reject him as a face. Um, and I started thinking about, well, what's been popular? And I think you brought him up before. Stone Cold Steve Austin. That anti-hero character is a great archetype to be filled. It's very popular. It always has been. And for the foreseeable future, the next four to six years, I think will continue to be. So, in terms of who do I see on the roster who's versatile, being an anti-hero, and mind you, an anti-hero can come across as either a face or a heel as the situation depends on it. I think Dean Ambrose has that talent. He's already shown it to us to some degree. He's never really been full-blown heel in his singles run, but as part of the Shield, he was a heel for a while, and I just see that crazy streak in him. I'm waiting for them to do that heel turn to unleash that side of Dean Ambrose. I'm dying for it. And, I mean, just, I could see him being the next Stone Cold, the guy who's just out there for himself, just doing the crazy and just really sticking it to the man. I buy that character from Dean Ambrose more than I do from Roman Reigns, more than I do from Seth Rollins, more than I do from Cesaro, more than I do from Kevin Owens. Uh, He can fill a versatile role in many regards. He's able to go. I think he's charismatic, and I think the audience responds to him no matter what he's doing. Therefore, sixth pick, Dean Ambrose. What I like about your sixth pick is that I can already in my head see places he can go with your top five picks. Exactly. He makes sense in a program with Triple H, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, and even The Rock. Less so The Rock than the others, but I think you could build it in there with The Rock. And that's a great thing to do. You need guys who can play well with all the other types of guys. Absolutely. You know, John Cena and Roman Reigns. And maybe this is Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns can play with Triple H. He can play against that. But I do like your picks. And I think it makes a whole lot of sense. Now, let me just... I want to say my honorable mentions here. These are people who did not make my list. Sure. But who were actually contenders for that sixth position. Sure. Number one... And these really aren't ordered, but... And not in terms of ranking. But my first one that almost made it was Kevin Owens. We talked about that. And I think that's... We did. I really like Kevin Owens. I think he's a great performer. He's physically able to go, and I like his character. However, I do... in interpret him as being less versatile. I'm not sure that he can do anything more than this prize fighter heelish character that I've seen and do it well. So I was a little unsure of him in that regard. Okay. Um, the second one who I thought would be a good pick, um, this was maybe a little more outside because I really don't know if this person can transition to the main roster or not. But I think he's very versatile. I've seen him before be a heel, be a face. He does a fantastic job with both. And he's, again, I think he's one of the best professional wrestlers in the world today. And that's Samoa Joe. I honestly think he could hold his own in that group of people as well. But again, he I was, haven't. He was a popular choice as well. Right. Samoa Joe made the list for a lot of people. Um, next on the list. That almost made it. This one surprised me, but when I really started thinking about the people on the roster, I couldn't deny Bray Wyatt. He's a solid character. He's ex- he, In terms of characters currently on the roster, he is the strongest. And, I mean, once The Undertaker has retired and really gone away, and he's able to really fully develop, I think, the supernatural side of his character... Uh, I I think Bray Wyatt has a lot of potential moving forward. 
I know some people maybe don't like the magic stuff that goes on with some of these characters. How dare they not like Russell Magic? I, agree. How dare I think they? it's fantastic. And I just think that there's a lot of potential for him. He's a good performer. He's great in the ring. His I, I have had complaints about his mic work, but it's been improving. And some of that's just, I think, and the nature of his character. But I think he's definitely one of those guys who could be important in the future. All and right. then... The last one who almost made my list, another NXT guy, and this guy is here just out of sheer entertainment. Bull, Dempsey, bull, 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 bull. <laughs> Sorry, Enzo Amore. <sighs> now, in all fairness, I don't really think you can build a company around Enzo Amore, but he is not a good of, one. Well, but he's not a hell of a talker. A good one. The audience loves him, and you want to talk about mainstream potential. I think more than anybody else in NXT, he has the potential to be extremely popular with the mainstream audience. And in terms of people who did not make my list, these are people who I considered who, for one reason or another, I don't think should be the cornerstone of this company in the next four to six years. Wait, are you so ready for me you, to be wait, extremely don't. unpopular? Are wait, you ready wait. for me to be so unpopular? I've been ready for you to be so unpopular for the last ten years, but what I want to know is, wait, so we got your top six, then we got your honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Now this is now you're just trying to irritate people. Is that what no, this, this is? No, these are my dishonorable mentions. These are people who I eliminated because I think they are actively bad choices to build a company around over the course of the next four to six years. This isn't the question that you asked, but I think it's an important question. And I think it's one that people need to think about more seriously. People love to do this fantasy booking. They love to pick the guys that they like. They love to pick the popular people who you know are flashy and great wrestlers or whatever. And they really like to try to get behind them and say, oh, why isn't creative supporting these people? But if you really took a step back, there are good reasons not to build a company around some people. I think it's a question that we should put out to the Twitterverse and to see what kind of responses come in. I know we all want to be about promoting positivity, but I think this is a good exercise to get people thinking about why the company doesn't push the people that they think they should be pushing. All right, now that said, are you ready for my... I'm not talking. I'm going to let you get all the hate. I'm going to close my... you got to be an active participant here. Come on. Number In one. you talking about why these guys are terrible? You want me to be the... I'm That's the pope. not what I'm saying. I'm the Pope of positivity. Dude, what are you trying to get me I to? am not saying these people are terrible. What I'm saying is there are legitimate reasons why you wouldn't build a company around them. I'm not saying they're not going to be strong. I'm not saying they're not workhorses. I'm not saying that they're not going to put on five-star quality matches every night. But these are people who I don't think should be have a company built around them. All right, so I tell you, here's here's how I will participate. I'm looking at my list on newageinsiders.com, my top 10. Mm-hmm. You tell me the guy and you give me your reason and then I will tell them where they rank on my top 10 of people I would build around. Okay. That sounds good. So Who's here's you? my first one who I would not build a company around. Sure, go for it. And this one I don't think is actually going to get me that much hate. Sting. Well, he's 56 years old. Why would you build a company around him? He potentially could have four years left in him. He's an icon. He's a legend. You want to have somebody around in that capacity. You need to have that height. You need to have the flares. You need to have, I'm sorry to say it, the Hogans. You have to have those guys who pass the torch on. And Sting 
was potentially looking like a guy who could be that guy. He was in good shape. He was old, but he's not that old. He's not flair old. He could get in a ring. He could still go. He could maybe help build a guy. If not I was, until his match at Night of Champions. If I was starting the WWF, the Wheelchair Wrestling Federation, <laughs> I might build around Sting. Well, there you go. Trying to find the silver lining. But I, I, I can see why some people would say that, but... I don't think he was ever really a consideration, but you make a valid point. All right, who's next? All right, someone who I don't think you should build a company around, Finn Balor. Why is that? He's boring. He's a great wrestler. He has zero personality. He's got a catchy entrance, and that's going to last for about a year, just like Fandango and Adam Rose. And then, unless you actually start building a character around him... There's nothing there. There's nothing to build around currently. That's why I don't think Finn Balor should be built around the company. Quoting. Quote. Do you have to use the quote, end quote, when you're talking about your own article? It doesn't matter. Quote. Number four of people I would build around. Finn Balor. But wait, I'm going to read the whole thing. Doc Manson and I have both gone on record during the Neighborhood podcast in saying that we're not huge Balor fans. The character needs work, and I'm sick to death of the double stomp as a rule, but I've never denied he's a top-shelf wrestling talent, and that's what matters. We can tweak the demon if we need to, or, as I really want to do, we can scrap it completely and let Balor be Balor. So I think I'm agreeing with you in terms of as presently constituted, you do not build a company around that character. However, I think if you take Thank the you. talent... Thank you. You agreed with me. I did. Mm-hmm. If you take the talent, change the character, because nobody's saying you have to keep them exactly as yeah. they are now. That wasn't the, the part of the question. You, you're right. He has potential as a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. But I... You saw, the, seen, you, saw, you saw the nipple charisma from yesterday's photo. You saw it. Don't throw up that pumpkin spice right now. Don't throw up that pumpkin spice. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, I have not seen anything, anything from him that tells me he has the charisma to execute on any sort of character. That's the problem. Perhaps I'm being, I'm using, everyone says that when he had Balor Club in New Japan, he was I didn't completely, see it. well, neither did I. I'm going off of what they're saying. So I'm taking them at their word. Perhaps I will be proven wrong. But I did say he was on my list of the guys I built around. But if we talk about my list at all, and you're going to know because you know how I operate, I picked 10 pure wrestlers that I would well, build a company Well, let's talk about around. another pure wrestler who has no business having a company built around him. My next pick, Hideo Itami. He wouldn't be on my list. He has zero mainstream appeal. He is going to have difficulty connecting with a mainstream audience, not just because of a language barrier, but also because he clearly has a lot of um, muscle, physical sort of memory regarding the strong style of Japan, which has never really been popular with the mainstream audience here. I think he's, again, a strong wrestler who has a place on the card, the mid-card, and he is not the sort of guy who you would build a company around at any time. I think you'll have some people who don't like that, but the vast majority of people in the neighborhood would agree with you. Is he on your list? No. Okay. And I don't like Hideo Itami. 
Next person who you should not build a company around, and this one pains me because I like him a lot, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is a little guy, and worse than that, he's injury prone. And unfortunately, this is a guy who you haven't even really moved up to the main roster, and he's been out with two major injuries that I know of anyways. Uh, Sorry. This is not a guy who you are going to stake your company on as being your top face for four to six years. That's just, you're not going to take that risk. What say you, DC, about Sami Zayn? Number five, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is only at this position, and possibly only on this list, because of the potential feud with Kevin Owens. If I'm starting a wrestling promotion from the ground up and can cherry-pick talents from anywhere, Owens and Zayn are probably the first two guys I pick, even above Rollins. Both are excellent wrestlers, and their chemistry together is pretty much perfect. I can build stories around their on-again, off-again friendship for years. So I put him on my list because I put Kevin Owens on my list. You can, and see, but you can say that. But if you're legitimately trying to build a company for four to six years, you cannot have these two guys feuding for four years. Like it's that's a nice soundbite to say you can have them feud for years, but you can't actually have them feud together for years. Steve Austin and The Rock main evented two or three WrestleManias in like a five-year period. Sorry to tell you this, but Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are not The Rock or Steve Austin. How many times has Randy Orton fought Sheamus? Yeah, that's really worked really well for him. Should I not be using that as an example to to better my case? I can't argue with the injury prone. That's a very very big factor that I probably should have considered. I like him a lot. He's fantastic. He's a great performer. I even like his personality and character that they've been developing in NXT. And you're right. I would love to see him with Kevin Owens all day long. All day long. But, but I, I think you can build the Sami Zayn's Kevin Owens relationship, whether they are friends or foes, and probably going back and forth between the two. I you're think right. there's potential there. I think you could build around for four to six years, but you're taking an in, there's an injury risk there. So, yes. all right, so that's the real reason. Anyone else right. on your list? There's one more person who on my list that I would not build a company around. Sure. Again, all sorts of hate coming my way. This is a guy who I also love. Love, I think he's a great performer. I I like him a lot. Sure, but I understand why they don't push him any harder than they do, and that person is Cesaro. Sorry, he's just got limited mainstream appeal. He's got a unique look. He's very strong. He's a great wrestler, and I love him for that. But I mean, outside of a small section of the audience. I think you're kind of seeing him be as popular as he's ever really going to be. And that's not big enough to shoulder a company on. What do you have to say about Cesaro, DC? Number three, Cesaro. While already 34, Cesaro has the physical abilities and body type to wrestle well into his 40s. So I'm not worried about age. Cesaro does things in the ring that I've never seen before on a regular basis, and that's always going to make somebody special in my eyes. I get the reasons he's not main eventing right now, but remember, in this hypothetical, I'm in charge. So Cesaro can be as Swiss as he wants to be, just as long as he lets me put all the money he makes me in one of his country's lovely bank accounts. 
Very clever, DC. Very clever. That's that's me. So I I again. And see, here's the make, thing: like, you make valid points, though. But and see, here's the thing: like, if I was maybe there's a disconnect here because what I just heard you say about Cesaro in the, in your write up was that you know you can book whatever you want. I was under the assumption that I was trying to book a successful company over the course of the next four to six years. So I was taking into account what would actually be successful with a mainstream audience, what would get acceptance. If I could just book willy-nilly all day long, sure, I'll throw all these guys in there that we're talking about. But if, I am, if I'm actually thinking from a logical business perspective of guys who can actually shoulder the responsibilities of a company and actually go on to make me money, yeah, Cesaro's not on that list. Well, and I think you probably... That maybe the spirit of the question was that, but that's certainly not how I took it. My final sentence, that's it. Ten talents who can have amazing matches night in and night out, even if I'm the only one watching them. So I built. How are you going to build a company around that? I picked the ten guys that I would want to see. If I'm going to take ten guys and I'm going to go create a Ring of Honor style or... So what you're saying is you'd pick ten guys to take WWE and to burn it into the ground. I you took, didn't take you did you just you just didn't consider that side of things. I took the ten guys that I think, and again, you and I have had this conversation a hundred times. I'm the wrestling purist. I'm gonna pick the ten best wrestlers. No, because, no, no. But see, it's the it's it's the question that I take umbrage with, with, and the way that you've answered it. Because if you had just said pick the sixth most entertaining guys that you want to see wrestle each other on a night to night basis for four to six years, my list would look very different. I was trying to build a successful company because that was how the question was. Well, and was I think raised. I'm I think I'm building a successful company. I picked ten, and I tweaked the question so that I could pick ten. I picked ten guys who are supreme wrestlers and who also have some other things going for them. Cesaro's not necessarily going to set the world on fire on the microphone, especially when he thinks the r- the ring has four ropes, which it doesn't. But I think he's going to. It does. But he said four ropes in that promo. He got a chance to do a pipe bomb style promo and said there were four ropes. And I'd like to point out has barely held a microphone since that day. But I think he makes up for it in other ways. So here's my 10. And again, maybe I'm not making a successful promotion, but I think I picked 10 guys who, if these people are having matches night in and night out and having some compelling stories written about them as well, I think you're going to have a good company. Number one, Seth Rollins. Didn't make your list in any sense. Wasn't a notable omission. Wasn't a guy you wouldn't build around. Wasn't in your top six. Maybe he'd be in your top ten. But right now, Seth Rollins, to me, is the best wrestler they have, so he's the guy I'd pick. What are your? Where would Seth Rollins be on your list? Non-entity. I really don't know. Okay. Um, I, I, he's a good wrestler, but I'm not that interested in him in any other regard. So. Fair, fair enough. I would be building up Seth Rollins as my biggest baby face, Kevin Owens as my biggest heel. Those two would be at each other. And then, again, Cesaro's number three, Finn Balor's number four, Sami Zayn's number five. I picked Luke Harper. That's probably my pie-in-space pick at number six. Kalisto is number seven of the Lucha Dragons. I had Bray Wyatt at eight. I had Neville at nine. Rusev was 10. Again, 10 very good wrestlers. Matches would be excellent. I'm assuming that there would be stories that would be written around them that would also be excellent. And 
perhaps my company fails in six months and I am the, you know... The, yeah, I just, again, I just, I mean, Ring of Honor is quote-unquote successful if you want to gauge it that way. But, I mean, in terms, I was, again, just sort of thinking, well, what would I have to do to sustain the machine that is the WWE? And that's really what influenced, I think, a lot of the answers I gave. Well, perhaps I will stop and think, maybe I will rethink my list using that. But I, the part of the problem is I take issue with the machine of WWE. One machine, however, that I don't take umbrage with is the big red machine, Kane. And we didn't talk about Kane when we we got off on this tangent, which is just fine, but we didn't talk about Kane, who was a big part of Night of Champions, who was a big part about Raw, and I believe you and I both enjoyed it very much. So Kane made his return with the mask and the hair, at uh which I think is very odd that now we've just we've basically just come right out and said the mask comes with hair. Like Doink the Clown. Except that was face paint. But Kane's got the mask, he comes out, he tombstones Rollins to end Night of Champions, and now we have this whether you call it Jekyll and Hyde or this very conflicted Kane who is super happy fun guy, glad to be back with the team and then coming up through the ring and dragging Seth Rollins straight down to what you'll presume to be hell. So, your thoughts on Kane, both at Night of Champions and this week in WWE. This is the best Kane. I agree. And, I've never seen a Enthusiastic Kane is the greatest Kane that Kane has been in a long time. I love corporate Kane right now. I'm, I, st- I'm still waiting for somebody in the neighborhood to find me a picture of Kane with the thumbs up because I yes. want to make that my profile picture. Uh, on yes, Twitter. 100%. Uh, I, y- yes. It's just it's something I haven't seen from him. And, you know, so it's maybe a little melodramatic, but I love silly in my wrestling. I love it. I love it. I love it. And this, it's, 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 it's a brilliant scenario. It just lends itself to, to so much potential, comedic potential, that I, I, just, I just can't wait to see where it goes. I'm giddy about Kane. How can I, I mean, how can I be saying that in 2015, that Kane is a highlight of Raw for me? It, it sounds insane. Insane. Let me ask you this question, and we talked about booking earlier, and you think they're booking week to week. Could this have possibly been planned? Could they have said, we are going to make Corporate Kane the most boring character in the world, and then at some point later, he's going to take everything we hated about Corporate Kane and turn it into just bars of gold? I don't know. I mean, maybe... I'd like to believe that maybe they they have that foresight, but I really don't think they do. And I I don't think they knew that Kane could execute on this type of character. I don't know if they've ever really asked him to do it before. So I I don't know. I don't know if it was planned or not, but 
I love where they are. We've seen comedic Kane before. Kane in the Big Show had some funny moments, you know. Not like this. Not like this. Not Glenn Jacobs has not had some funny moments because this is him without all of that. You know, every time he's been funny, I think he's had the mask on. So this is the first time, and he's just got the face for it. Like his, you know, big eyes, smile, you know, this, uh, it's just. Dude, I, I love it. It was I cannot, fantastic. I, yes. Give it all day long. I, I, yes. So I'm assuming we, no, we we didn't touch on Brock and Taker in Hell in a Cell. Great. Who cares? I'm assuming not me. I'm assuming Kane and Seth Rollins will also be in a cell. I think we'll have two cell matches. So Kane and Rollins seems to be where they're going. Do you disagree? You think they're going to get there. Yeah, I mean maybe they've I got. Three-ish I, 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 I could see this. I could see this lasting longer. That's all. I, I oh, well, see it maybe. Maybe it'll last. It could last till TLC. They could have a TLC. Yeah. I don't but know. I'm not sure what else I, they have for Rollins. I right want now. it to last forever. I want Dual Kane to, you know, have his own WWE network show at this point because oh, yeah. it's amazing. So that we're, we've talked about Sting, we've talked about Kane. You, as we talked about at the beginning of this show, which is going to be a two-hour show this week with a snack break, um, Halloween, I believe, is your favorite holiday of the year. Yes, sir. That's safe to say. You know, I have known you for a long time. I lived with you for a long time. I've seen all of the horror movies. I can see... Well, that's a Back to the Future poster, but I'm sure there's something Evil Dead-y or some such there... Right next to the Back to the Future poster are three signed uh, autographed pieces of memorabilia. And they're all from various uh, entries in the Friday the 13th series. Yes. You're wearing, as we speak, you're wearing a Halloween t-shirt. So we're going to have a little bit of fun in the month of October here on the Neighborhood Podcast. You've been calling it Shocktober, which I, think is, which I think is excellent. Um, we're going to be discussing our favorite Halloween-y type supernatural characters. We're going to be talking about Halloween Havoc, some of the greatest and or worst pay-per-views the world has ever seen, depending on how, who you ask. Uh, we want your feedback, so if you've got some Halloween-themed topics for us to discuss here on the Neighborhood Neighborhood Podcast, be sure to let us know. Um, tweet us at DC Matthews NAI at Doc Manson. You spent part of today, which I'm so glad to hear, watching Halloween Havoc 1989, which I believe is the very first one. So, what did you think of Halloween Havoc 1989, October 28th, 1989, from the Philadelphia Civic Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? What'd you think of such an awesome show it wasn't very good guys now how much uh, WCW wrestling from the 80s have you seen I'm assuming this might be like the first time you've seen any of it I've seen very little okay and how much 80s wrestling have you seen recently like when you got WWE Network did you go back and watch old Wrestlemania's old SummerSlams anything like that I watched it for a little bit I probably watched uh, maybe a dozen things randomly here or there some older than the 80s some in the 80s maybe a couple things in the 90s all over now i'm watching all of these wcw pay-per-views i'm actually coming up on halloween havoc 95 where there's going to be monster trucks having a sumo wrestling match on the top of the arena and at one point the giant falls off 
Spoiler. We're going to talk about that. Spoiler probably, alert. Uh, Spoiler in more detail alert. We'll, another get, date. we'll get to that because I haven't seen it yet. But wrestling in the 80s, especially WCW wrestling in the 80s, is a completely different thing than what you would consider wrestling to be now. Um, and so it took some getting used to. And you mentioned that you hit fast forward a couple of times. I really can't blame you. Um, I don't want to talk about every single match because there's just no point. But uh, what stands out to you right off the top of your head? The first, whether it's a talent, whether it's a match, what stands out to you from Halloween Havoc 89? All right. Before I get to the obvious thing that stands out, I'm just going to say that I had a moment when I was watching these matches. As you said, there's a big difference sort of between what wrestling in the 80s was versus what we commonly accept in the product today. And while I say the show wasn't very good, there's what that really means, I guess, when I say that, is that there's a different pace to the show, different pace to the action in the ring. And to that, I saw a lot of things that you don't see anymore that... I actually sort of sparked nostalgia in me, perhaps. Because these are things I remember from watching wrestling during my childhood. And I said, oh man, why don't they do that anymore? The thing that I'm thinking about specifically, I think, was probably in uh, the Road Warriors versus... Uh, I'm sorry, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, versus... Who I forget what the name of the team was called, but Sid they're Vicious called, was one. They're called the Skyscrapers. Yes, Sid Vicious was one of the Skyscrapers. I don't know who the other gentleman was. Dangerous Dan Spivey, who would go on to be known as Whalen Mercy in WWF in the 90s and is an obvious inspiration for Bray Wyatt's character. Just a little bit hmm. of extra info there for you. Well, anyways, uh, so there was a... The, the thing that I specifically was thinking about was Sid... And one of the Road Warriors, I'm forgetting which one now, had a test of strength in the middle of the match. And, like, one of them called for it. They put the hands up, and the other one was looking at him like, oh, and is he going to accept, is he not? And, like, just having that little moment of, you know, of sizing each other up, and the other guy deciding is he actually going to enter into this test of strength and going into it and overpowering the guy, and the other guy coming back, the back and forth. Like, don't get me wrong, I get it. It's slow. It's kind of boring. But it tells a story, a little moment, a series of moments, and, like, it's a rest hold, yes, but you're at least doing something. It's better than just laying on the mat in a headlock, which is what they do these days. Um, I, Like, I'm not saying I want the test of strength to come back. I understand it's silly, but... Well, maybe I am saying it should come back. There's nothing wrong with a little silly in my wrestling. Well, and it's it, it's not necessarily silly so much as it's it's something you don't often see. Like, they do the collar and elbow tie-up, and then that's pretty much it. And, you know, you don't often see them going in, because that's usually what it is, is the collar-elbow tie-up doesn't work a couple of times, so then you're like, all right, I got you with the test of strength here. Sure. Let's... You know, I think I do think that should come back. I, we don't need to see it all the time, but if you're going to have Luke Harper versus Roman Reigns or something like that, I mean, if you're going to have Chris Jericho come out to match sheer power with Beef Stroganoff, I think it just calls for a test of strength in the middle of the ring. I mean, that's clearly the reason why you're bringing in Chris Jericho, right? To offset that sheer power. I mean, that just. That's a perfect scenario for a test of strength, right? They set it up. Why wouldn't they execute on that? I don't know. It's really strange. 
All right, let's move along. What else from Halloween Havoc 89? Uh, and honestly, there's not much more for me to say. It was fun seeing Mike Rotunda pointing him out to Mrs. Manson. Ah, oh, that's the daddy of uh, Bo and Bray. And she was very, you know, oh, yeah, okay, I can see Bo Dallas body type in there. Where mm-hmm. did Bray come from? She had no idea. Um, but, you know, it was fun to see him. And Did you see Rikishi? Did you spot Rikishi in there? When? Uh, the Samoan SWAT team. Oh, he's, I completely fast forwarded that match. Oh, he's well. You the Midnight Express is worth watching. I enjoy the Midnight Express, but um, Rikishi's part of that. He's fought too. Or fa- I saw too much of Doom. There was a Doom versus uh, what the, was that match? The Steiners. Oh, Steiners. I watched most of that match, and I was I was kind of feeling tired of tag team wrestling after that. So mm-hmm. uh, I did. You didn't, I saw you didn't Teddy like, Long. You didn't like Ron Simmons in a mask. Oh yeah, great. I saw Teddy Long later on, though. You did? And I saw Jim Cornette, and I saw... Did you see the dynamic dudes? I don't think so. Shane Douglas and Johnny oh, Ace? Yes, I did see them. And, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And, and you know who Johnny Ace is, right? Yes. Oh, I know who Johnny Ace is. People power. Absolutely. And I, was, I enjoyed Shane Douglas. I like Shane Douglas. Now, um, the reason it's Halloween Havoc is they did have the main event. And which, this is the reason why I watched... The pay-per-view, actually. Well, and I and I was going through, because I wasn't going to make you watch every single pay-per-view, but I was going through Halloween Havocs and making notes of specific things that I thought you should watch, and this one would have been it. The Thunderdome match, which is a cage match. I don't think there was anything else special about it besides maybe the cage kind of curved inwards. But Well, I think the thing that they said was... Um... They could. It was a cage match where you could not climb out of the cage. Not only was the top of the cage curved in, I don't think they had demonstrated it during the match, but supposedly the top of the cage was electrified. Oh. So you really could not escape. I think at one point Terry Funk acts like he's electrocuted, but nobody talks about it. But it's yeah. Ric Flair and Sting versus Terry Funk and the Great Muda, who I... I'm a big Muda fan. Anytime I can watch the great Muda Terry wrestle, Funk had a great entrance. Terry Funk was great in, you know, and this is the tail. Well, you would think this would be the tail end of his career because he comes back in 89. Ric Flair's wrestling Ricky Steamboat. Terry Funk's one of the judges. Like in, you know, they had three judges who were supposed to decide who won the match. If it, if nobody pinned each other. And at the end, Ric Flair wins, Terry Funk comes to congratulate him and, you know, just trying, and Ric Flair basically ignores him, which makes Terry Funk angry, so he attacks him, pile drives him onto a table, and so, you know, that's when Terry Funk comes back, and he, you know, he wrestled, I think, for another 15, 20 years after that, but I thought the match was good, it wasn't, you know, none of, nothing from this card stands out as must-see, but... Oh, you must see Sting and Ric Flair swinging on a rope... Attached to the corner of yeah, the I don't cage remember why awkwardly. the rope was there. I don't remember why the rope was there. They, they grabbed it and they swing from the cage to like to try to like like kick another guy hanging on the other opposite wall of the cage. But like they're only swinging from one section of cage across the corner, like like a three foot thing, and clearly like they don't feel steady. And so like they have this moment where the camera's on Sting and he's going in for like this swing kick thing, and like he doesn't even connect and it's just the most weird awkward pathetic sort of thing it was it was sad but i will say i love the look of the thunderdome i thought it was fantastic if you looked at the corners as it was coming down they had like some 
I don't know, greenish, mossy sort of Halloween fabric, and it looked like they had those ropes and crap, and that was the thing. I was I, I made the suggestion of watching Halloween Havoc because I wanted to see some some goofy 80s, 90s Halloween wrestle crap. But, I mean, outside of this cage, which, again, I thought was spectacular, there was nothing Halloween about this show. No, and you're going to see that for a while. Is is There's not a, you know, it's, it's a nice name. It's, you know, in October, so it makes sense. But there's not a lot of great Halloween stuff. So we're going to have to kind of pick and choose here. You know, I'm looking Fair. already at the card from 1990. There's, not a, there's one thing that I definitely want you to watch from the 1990 show. Um, but you know, there's not a lot of it, but there's certain things that we're definitely going to have to make sure that you watch and we talk about. So, and we're asking you the neighborhood, we're going to wrap up here. We've been on for about two hours now. We're going to get on out of here, but, um, you know, we want your suggestions on Halloween subjects that doc and I should discuss, whether it's characters, storylines, any of that kind of thing. So any final thoughts, doc, before we say good night, literally good night and head on out into the world absolutely not dc we've had a great show tonight very long we started strong we petered out now we're gonna go off into the sunset with a bit of a whimper but you know what <laughs> wow it was a good show for at least a while there you know and, the, the, uh, the best part of the, get along the best part of the show might be the first five minutes where we just talk about pumpkin spice we could do that every week uh i i instead of this wrestling thing we'll just talk about whatever i well maybe we'll branch out and we'll have the wrestling podcast and the pumpkin podcast so absolutely all right he is doc manson at doc manson i'm gonna try to get him the ability to write all the time so that way we can see some of his great writing because he is a that way you can writer. see me uh never write despite having the ability to do so <laughs> i i keep believing i don't stop believing i'm dc matthews at dc matthews nai he's doc i'm dc we'll see you around the neighborhood